That's like one step away from two serial killers talking trade. <laughs> Depending on how the game goes. And the home of the Episode of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey. It's hockey in sneakers. Thank you once again for tuning in, for downloading, for streaming, for subscribing, for listening in any way that you see fit. Hello, James. Hello, Mr. American Rhino Gary Mack, sir. You really don't have to push the American Rhino thing. It's bad enough that I introduce myself that way. Uh, you don't have to try and make it a thing. I already sound pretentious enough with it. I disagree. I think that's probably the greatest nickname ever, especially for a goalie. So um, good stuff. All I'm, right. I'm going to ram that into the ground as far as I can until you knock your stick over my head. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you. Anyway. I've been uh, looking over what we're doing on the show tonight. I'm going to break the fourth wall here and shatter your illusions that we do this entirely off the cuff. I've been looking over what we're doing on the show tonight, and I have to say, I feel real good about tonight's show. Yeah, that's right. We have some uh, fun treats for the audience tonight, so uh, I'm going to enjoy it. I hope everybody else does, too. I'm looking so forward to it that I want to get started right away. So why don't we go ahead with tonight's starting lineup? And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey. And my illustrious co-host. On defense, number four, James Sejazi. And back with us tonight. Number 32, or again, occasionally number 13, uh, Mike Margiata, mostly goaltender, occasional defenseman. Fantastic. Rare, rare forward. Thank you once again for joining us, Mike. Oh, thank you again for having me. No, please, the pleasure is still ours. The pleasure continues to be ours. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's get this show on the road. James, would you please be so kind as to tell us what is on deck tonight? Yes, sir. Between the Pipes, where the LIQ's founding netminders, Gary, the American Rhino Mac, and Mike Buddy Margiata, talk shop by sharing their different styles of play, gear they use, and give us a taste of what it's like being deck hockey goalies. Plus, minus the highs of victory and the lows of defeat. And from there, we'll take a peek into the gear bag, hockey jersey reviews. Like we mentioned in our last edition of Hit the Deck, we have a deck hockey tournament coming up soon and we'll need matching jerseys for it. Here are some options for you to consider for when your team needs to order jerseys. And that's what's on deck. All right. Thank you, James. So today on the podcast, we're going to start off with a very special treat. Returning from last week's podcast, we have the one and only Mike Margiata, who is a fellow goalie and who is going to be generous enough to talk shop with me about the various differences and similarities that we have in goal. And James, if you would not mind moderating this meeting of the minds, I'd greatly appreciate it. 
It would be a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, basically, it's a new segment of Hit the Deck, which we titled Between the Pipes. The segment is basically where a couple of our members of the LIQ will just talk shop. So leading things off, we have our founding goaltenders in Mr. Gary Mack and Mr. Mike Margiata. So guys, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I guess, Mike, since you're our special guest to lead off, Basically, what's, what's, what's fascinating from my end, or, or at least the defenseman's end, or, or a, another uh, forward seeing you guys, is that your styles are so different. So if you wouldn't mind, Mike, just uh, going through what you feel your style of playing goal is and how you develop that. I guess I would say my style is uh, a mix between the old stand-up goaltenders from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and into the 80s, mixed with the habit, I guess, of Jonathan Quick to really challenge the shooter and move up and and try and cut away the shot and take away the angles and with just a little spice of Dominic Hasek desperation of just rolling around on the ground and sometimes that really works and sometimes you look like a complete idiot but when it works you feel awesome so I mean I would definitely say that my style is kind of a mishmash of different eras and and I guess the premium I would put on is mobility is just my ability to move around as much as possible. One thing I will say about Mike's goaltending, because I don't know if he will, is he has a very good glove hand. I mean, he's definitely improved quite a bit overall as he's grown more comfortable with the position over the years. But one thing that was always a, a skill of Mike's from day one is he always had a very good glove. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I could definitely attest to that, too, having been stopped by it so many darn times. <laughs> it's mostly luck. Uh, you you move humble, it into the, the right spot and you hope the puck goes into the glove. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. A lot of goaling, uh, goaling, a lot of goaling, also goaltending, um, which actually goaltending, preferably there's very little goaling involved. But uh, a lot of, yes, a lot of goaltending is just positioning. I mean, that's that's where it all starts and ends. Like you said, flopping around like a fish if you have to. But those spectacular belly saves out of nowhere no goalie really wants to be making those because that means that you're in a very bad spot and you have to get very lucky in order to stop the puck yes yes that is exactly true well to the goalies i guess for lack of a better term defense is that you guys don't give up so that's that's great to see even if you're out of position or whatever the case is if you feel that you need to go flail or whatever you just you do whatever you can to keep that puck out of the net so it's much appreciated and uh yeah you you just do whatever you need to do it doesn't have to look pretty just keep that puck out of the net yeah so uh gary basically like you have touched on before in previous podcasts your style is basically a hybrid butterfly mostly Uh, sometimes i go full butterfly but it's mostly more of a hybrid because mike mentioned mobility i feel like uh, especially on the pavement there's not as much mobility if you go full butterfly because you have to kind of hop back up you can't slide one way or the other so to have one foot planted it's easier to kind of push myself side to side or push myself back to my feet however i see fit in order to stay with the puck When we first started, I think I tried stand-up for a little while, but I just feel like, uh, especially when we started playing in the LIQ, we played with intermediate nets. They were only uh, a 4 by 3 but we... After a few months, we moved up to the, the big boy nets, which are four by six. And I feel like, obviously, Mike feels differently because uh, he has a different style. But for myself, I feel like it's more difficult for me to cover the entire net just by standing up. Uh, 
because that requires a lot more shuffling side to side. Whereas if you're willing to go down, you can kind of kick out that leg if it's low. And uh, sometimes you can get to a puck that you wouldn't otherwise. Or I should say sometimes I can get to a puck that I wouldn't otherwise. And it just it's something that I'm more comfortable with. But again, it's down to personal preference. Whatever works for you as a goalie is the style that you should use. Right. So like Mike mentioned before, his influences, or at least his favorite hockey players as well, are Jonathan Quick of the LA Kings and the retired Hall of Famer Dominic Hasek, who basically just rewrote the book on what it means to be an amazing goalie. So with that, Mike, as you mentioned in the previous podcast, do you try and keep that in mind when you're playing goal is to maybe if you're watching quick in action if that's subconscious in your head like maybe i could try that move when i'm playing or is it just you know like you said you take a little bit of this a little bit of that and create your own comfort and style of play uh quick's very difficult to replicate just because so much of his game is uh, about explosive lateral movement across the goal mouth uh, especially when he's in a, a full split or something very close to it and gary can attest to how that's impossible for us for two reasons one being that we can't slide on pavement and two i don't think either of us can do a full split no <laughs> or anything I can't. close to one <laughs> i certainly can't uh i used to come close when i was younger and doing taekwondo but not since then for a long time but um when i have a, a game coming up usually the night before and i know i'm playing goal i will watch somebody's highlights Sometimes it's more mental than anything. A lot of times I'll watch quick. And like I said, he's very difficult to try and imitate or replicate in deck hockey or street hockey just because the way he moves and what he does just would not translate. Now, in terms of challenging the shooter and getting across, I mean, I guess I can kind of replicate that. But um, if there's any guy I, I will watch and try and actually replicate, it's I'll actually look back at highlights from guys in the 70s or 80s or even earlier. Like I said last week, I read Jacques Plante's book. I will actually, I have looked at what little highlight, actually not little, because I'm a Kings fan, I have NHL Game Center, and what comes that, uh, NHL Vault. So I have access to lots of historic games, and I've sometimes just sat and watched those games just to kind of watch him and other guys. Uh, Ken Dryden, Vladislav Trediak from the Soviet teams. Um, nice. Billy Smith to a certain degree. I mean, Rogi Vashan, uh, certainly from the Kings. I mean, I guess if there's anyone that I try and copy their moves it's those guys in that you know a lot of it is when they do drop down it's these kind of desperation heaves to one side and i guess that's something that i certainly do is you know i'll just kind of throw myself one way or the other and land just hard on my side whereas gary will at least drop down on his knees and then brace himself one way or the other i'll just be like nah these ribs they'll be okay <laughs> uh, and just you know lunge one way or the other or do whatever i can worry about um, tomorrow tomorrow yeah or, going back, Hashik is always great for inspiration. It's just, hey, can you get your knuckle on this shot? Hey, you could. Oh, okay, good. You saved it. You know, can you get your uh, your pinky toe? Oh, you did? Great. Another save. Not, I mean, not to take away. He did amazing things, but Hashik's great for that inspiration of, uh, I'm way out of position. What do I do? Uh, well, try this. And you just <laughs> lunge and you reach out with your arm or whatever crazy things you do. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. You sometimes you just have to try whatever you know. If you you're nowhere near the puck, sometimes I've had I've made saves off of the shaft of my stick just because that's what was in range of the puck. 
you know, you just have to try and and, and it's a lucky fluke. I don't think the best baseball player could probably catch uh, the way you hold that stick could catch the puck just right if he was trying to. But, you know, sometimes you just get lucky and you have to keep trying because either you're going to give up a goal or you're not. And if you don't do anything, you're probably going to give up a goal. If you do try something, you may still give up one, but you, you hopefully won't. Which sounds obvious, mm. but that's just the mentality that you have to have as a goalie. At least if you react, you don't look like a complete doofus that just fell asleep and right. it's like, oh, you're paying attention, at least. <laughs> oh, and also, too, for anybody listening out there, and thank you for doing so, I don't want Mike or Gary to give up any secrets or, or whatnot in case people are scouting us because we do compete <laughs> in uh, leagues and whatnot. So don't give too much away, guys, please. And um, anybody taking notes out there, this could go for any goalie out there. So uh, don't try and scout my guys, all right? <laughs> Or you may receive a goalie stick to the back of your knees. You did mention battling Billy Smith, so yeah, there you go. So with that, uh, Mike, if you wouldn't mind telling us about your gear. Uh, in a few podcasts ago, Gary went through his gear. Any reason why you use what you do? Any brands that are your favorites? Things like that. Mike, I beg you, please tell us about the Taekwondo helmet. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, that, that's actually a pretty funny story. So I will tell you that story. So when we first started playing, Gary can attest to that, you know, the very first time we played, there weren't really goalies, but at the end there were, and we were just basically trying to stand in front of these two egg crates, and we still failed miserably at it, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah. So then the next game was when we got we got the nets, and then for whatever reason, there was this popular opinion that if Gary and I actually purchased goalie pads, that it would be too much, and it would be too difficult to score on. <laughs> so my first set of equipment, I went out and I bought a pair of knee and shin pads, like a forward would wear, just to kind of protect their leg. So I had that. I had uh, I bought a blocker, which is actually the blocker I still use today. I used an old baseball glove that I found in my garage. I did buy a, a conventional goalie stick, a Marty Brodeur model. I think it's a Sherwood, or it was a Sherwood. It's it broke. Yeah, I have um, I have the same model. It's a Sherwood. Yes. So I had all these things. And I'm all set, and I'm thinking like, all right, well, I don't have leg pads, but these should still help. And then the night before, suddenly I was like, wait a second, what about my face? <laughs> I completely had forgotten to get anything for my face or my head. And at first I was like, well, you know, I might not need it because, I mean, none of these guys can really shoot very well. And I'll be standing up a lot, I hope. So, I mean, no one's going to hit me in the face. And then um, I told my mom I'm playing hockey. She's like, do you have anything to protect your face? <laughs> I was like, well, no. She's like, what if you lose a tooth? What if you get a black eye or break your nose? You know, doing what mothers do. Right. So... Now we're trying to think frantically, like, what can we do for a mask or some kind of protection? So first we found a bicycle helmet, which just did nothing to protect the face. <laughs> then there was some some kind of Halloween mask was found. Uh, I was thought, like, maybe I, if I wore that, I'd be able to kind of have some measure of protection, but I couldn't see anything. And it was really hot. And I was like, this is an awful plan. So eventually uh, we kind of remembered that when I was a lot younger, well, not that much younger, but... When I was a young teenager, I did Taekwondo. and As, as I believe no you mentioned surprise, last week. Sorry. Right. Yes, that too. And it may come as no surprise to those that know me, but my favorite part of Taekwondo was sparring. So I had... <laughs> I believe that. Sparring. sparring yeah, me glove, too. And I had sparring boots, which were like just little padded shoes. So when you kick someone, it didn't hurt. And I, I had a helmet. 
not like a helmet, but uh, well, I guess helmet's really the only word to describe it. But it was sort of just like a, a a cage thing that went over your head made out of this really thick foam. So we went up to my attic, we dug it out, and, you know, it was designed to fit a young teenager. So it didn't fit over my head. But my mom was like, all right, well, what if we kind of cut holes in it to loosen it up? And there we are with scissors right next to, like, my eyes. And we cut it open enough that I could pull it on over my face. Mind you, it did nothing to protect my eyes. It just protected my jawline. Mike, so do you still? Game, sorry, do you still have that helmet? I do. No, do I still have it? I think I do. All right. I, if you do, please bring it the next time I see you. I'm going to put a picture on our Instagram account. I have a picture of me from the first day as a goalie wearing that helmet with my, my blocker I still use, use it with the baseball glove and the forward pads, the, the leg shin guards. So if you want, I'll send you that picture. Oh, I would love in, that. That would be perfect. I'm Thank in the you. pose, and I, I have that picture with pride at how awkwardly prepared I was for that game. But I, I used that, that Taekwondo thing for one, one, one game, two maybe? It was probably one game. Probably one. And then uh, after that, I went to the Jason Voorhees-style mask for a few games. Yeah, I got to say, I remember that mask, and you looked pretty scary in that thing. Like, legit intimidating with your hair, because like, <laughs> you have a lot of hair kind of flowing around it. And yeah, that, that was legit. I, I understand why you went eventually to the cage mask, but that, uh, that Voorhees, that because it was black because it matched yes. your king's gear but that was like i said you know you you definitely could have stayed with that if it worked for you i loved that mask i i mean it had it has it, i still have it it has awful peripheral vision mm -hmm. so you really have to turn your head to see things next to you you can't just look side to side mm -hmm. but i remember when i got it because I had the Taekwondo mask, and then I tried to get a helmet with a cage, kind of like what Dominic Hasek wore with the, the old birdcage style. Hmm. But I have yet to find a, a hockey helmet that actually fits my head. Because <laughs> I guess I have a really big head, and a lot of hair doesn't help. So I got a, a helmet. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had the helmet, I had to return it, unfortunately, and I got the, the Voorhees mask. And I remember I took it out of the box, and I just held it up in front of my face, in front of the mirror, and... The way it sits on your face, it blocks out your eyes. So you just see these dark shadows. I was like, ooh, this is scary for me to look at. This is on my face. <laughs> I, I really, I would have loved to keep wearing that, but there's no way for me to wear glasses in it. Mm -hmm. And I thought about taking an old pair of glasses and basically trying to solder them <laughs> into the eye sockets or something along those lines. Uh -huh. um, but it just... It hasn't worked out yet. I mean, maybe someday I can figure something out and bring that thing back because I have to figure if you're a forward and you think you have a breakaway and you look up and there's me or any goalie with that thing on, there's no there's no facial reaction. It's just mm -hmm. it's Bane looking back at you, you know, <laughs> I have to figure there's got to be some kind of psychological edge there. Sure. But that and... mask was very frustrating uh, because of the poor vision. Uh, and I hope the listeners out there feel the same way, but uh, I appreciate the about 60 years of goaltender's masks, of the evolution of goaltender's masks that you just went through in the matter of, what, a few months or so? So that that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I don't remember I the Taekwondo helmet period, but uh, <laughs> I'm not exactly an NHL history buff, so I could just have glossed over that. And, and again, pardon the pun, uh, in Mike's defense, we should definitely put that first 
portion of your equipment to an updated version of what you look like now. So okay, uh, just how how far we've all come. Sure. In the LIQ. Uh, well, nowadays I'm using a I think it's a Franklin regular uh, mask with the cat's eye cage. I'm using a Warrior Woodrow style Jonathan Quick bottle stick that I'm very, very happy with. I had a pair of Reebok pads that I really loved, but just as Gary can attest to, playing on concrete or any kind of pavement like that just wears the hell out of them. Yeah, personally, uh, I sorry. Personally, I replace my pads about once a year because even repairing them, they just just, yeah, they get ground down to irreparable status. Yeah, so my 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 Reebok pads, which I was very happy with, are I think I threw them out. They're just I mean they were they were ripped open and the stuffing was coming out of them. So I mean it was that point they were just useless and all the straps in the back didn't work or they were starting to not work. So now I use a pair of CCM. I think they're 100s. Gary, they're the same model. Yeah, that's I think they are the same model that I have, but I don't remember the model offhand. But that sounds right. CCM 100. They definitely are CCM. I just don't remember the model number. And uh, I'm using a Tor glove. I don't remember what specific model it was, but it's a Tor glove or catcher or whatever you want to call it. It's like a 450 or something like that, I think. Yeah, something like that, which unfortunately the string that binds it has broken down. So I've taken zip ties and I've worked those into it. That's why I stopped using my tour because it, it, that the string, that's exactly right. The lace is the first thing to break and it's, it's just it's very difficult to use if it's just flopping around try zip ties because not only will it hold it in place but then it gives you a gigantic claw i will <laughs> i will take that under advisement thank you mike like if i have that and the jason mask mm-hmm. then i'm really one step away from being some kind of slasher villain nice <laughs> what kind of blocker <laughs> do you use mike I'm using now still the first blocker I bought, which I believe is a Franklin, and it's just some dinky blocker that has the NHL logo on it in the corner. Hmm. I had a, I had another one that I loaned to another goaltender, and he gave it back ripped open oh, along geez. the thumb, and I was like, what? Whatever. It, it was kind of a, a cheapo blocker anyway. And I have a tour blocker that I really cannot use because it, I don't know if it's my hand's too big or I've just never really broken in properly or whatever it is, but I can't wear it without it just starting to kind of crush my hand into this claw position. So I've stopped using that. And I've kind of been on the lookout for a new blocker, like a really good heavy-duty blocker, because the Franklin is as amateur and uh, low-grade as you can get, I would say. It's definitely kind of on the low-end side. I mean, it's street hockey, so it doesn't have to be the most durable equipment as long as it works. Well, I mean, I will say the Franklin has yet to rip or break, so I mean, it, if, as long as it holds up like that, I guess it's worth holding on to. Shout out to Franklin. Yeah, there you go. They make good stuff, surprisingly. Yeah, you know, like my grow at least for me, growing up, uh, brands like Milek and Franklin seemed to get and embrace the uh, roller hockey, deck hockey style, street hockey, if you will. So uh, that's one of the other benefits bits of playing deck hockey is like you guys mentioned you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money on the ice hockey quality stuff but you could still get durable equipment that's designed to be played with on the street or concrete or whatever for that reason so that that's pretty cool but yeah in 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 my experience brands like mylek and franklin have done a good job in consistently making good equipment for street hockey 
specifically? Well, Milek literally wrote the book on street hockey. They wrote the rule yes. book for street hockey. So it's not surprising. For a long time, they were the only game in town. So, you know, as the kind of originator of street hockey specific equipment, you know, it's not surprising that they make good stuff. And uh, with, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mike. No, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they definitely they must test it in some way to actually know what works and what doesn't. Though I will say I looked at a pair of Milek goalie pads. Hmm. And I was not a big fan. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend Milek goalie equipment. I think that's really like low end, super low end goalie equipment. But the other stuff that they make is good quality. The pads were molded plastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it wouldn't be my first choice. It works for kids. Yeah. Not not for. Yeah, it's but. it's it's almost more of a costume. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, like like James said, it works for kids. I think it's designed with kids in mind who are just breaking into it. So, eh, you know, mm. it, they can't be good at everything. No, that's true. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for that. I think we are going to have to continue this conversation next week because we have a whole lot to get to still on the podcast. But if you would please come back, we'd appreciate it. What do we have next, James? All right, a new segment called Plus Minus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were playing a few games like we usually do, and the weather was a little bit warmer in the tri-state area of our part of the world anyway, and I kind of lost my cool a little bit. So uh, with that in mind, kind of thought of a topic to talk about in terms of deck hockey, uh, like we alluded to before, the highs of victory and the lows of defeat. So basically, the balance of taking deck hockey seriously through practice and teamwork but not obsessing over it. Like Gary says at the end of every show, don't be that guy. Basically saying it's just deck hockey. We're not in the NHL. Calm yourself. And we're not superstars and this, that, and the other thing. So just uh, from your take too, you want to be a good teammate. You want to play well and uh, contribute. And obviously winning is fun, you know? So yeah, in, in, in your point of view, is there a line that no one should cross in terms of deck hockey, whereas you're, in, in our case too, we're all friends, which you pointed out to me too when I was losing my cool to try and calm me down and, and rein me back in and not really be intense, but enjoy it, have fun, compete, but still be respectful and realize these people are your friends and you're not looking to hurt anybody's feelings well yes i definitely think there's a line but i just want to say up front that i don't think that i'm the ultimate arbiter of what is and isn't appropriate in deck hockey i just want to put that out there but yeah to your point especially the games that we play which tend to be pickup games even if you're playing on a team and you get a little heated with one of your teammates you are friends you know at the end of the day you are playing with each other hopefully because you like each other you should respect each other whether you like each other or not and i think that intensity in a game is great i think that that makes for the best kind of games when there's great competition everybody's focused on doing the best they can and I dig a super intense game with the caveat that when the whistle blows or the horn sounds, you leave it there. You know, it's it, it sometimes it can be a fine line when you are that into the game and w- when you are being that intense to just leave it, to just drop it and remember that you are there to have fun. Sometimes it takes a few minutes for me, but I do try and keep that in mind that as important as the game is, it is just a game at the end of the day. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, and and we do our best to try and make things as fair and even for both teams and got to keep that in mind as well. So just to to 
fill everybody in out there. Basically, what happened was we were uh, losing. Gary and I were on the same team, and we were down in the second period, I think, a goal or two. And one of our guys scored really late in the period. Gary was good enough to have this software on his iPhone where it lets you know the last minute of play is in the period because we do play with timed periods. So we scored. There was a minute left and uh, we had a chance to tie it and go into the third period. So the ref, we did have a ref that uh, that particular game kind of took a little longer to get the puck and, and get the face off going. So I was kind of upset about that. But again, didn't mean to be out of line or disrespectful. The referee is someone's father in the league that we play in and is a really nice, wonderful gentleman at that. And it's, I kind of uh, felt- Sorry, James. It's, it's, it's actually Pops, who we've credited yes. at, at the end of every podcast as the voice of the podcast. That's right. And in his defense too, which I was kind of frustrated as well, on top of everything else was that the poor man had to run go get the puck out of the opposing net then run back to the face-off circle and, and drop the puck so between all of that time was wasting and and you know the poor gentleman had to run back and forth needlessly and then lo and behold i was in the face-off circle as a matter of fact so with seconds ticking i didn't know exactly how many seconds we had left so i kind of tried to be aggressive and just shoot the puck instead of winning the face-off, and then starting a play. I wasn't aware of how many seconds were left with that. So with all that being said, lo and behold, I lose the stinking face-off, and then they score, and then the freaking horn blows. So that just, all that really got me very upset. So that's just to fill everybody in as to what happened. So um, my apologies and all that. But uh, yeah, it's like like you said, you want to be intense, you want to be a good teammate, but you don't want to be an idiot either. So... That's kind of what what happened there. On the other hand, last week when we played, uh, Gary made a couple of huge saves like he usually does. But uh, there was one particular save which was absolutely amazing where Gary literally saved. It was a goal. It was going in. He literally made the save with his toe. If you would, just please walk us through that play. And also, I just wanted to reiterate what, what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make there is that it was such an incredible play being your teammate I was so excited by it I wanted to jump up and down and scream and cheer <laughs> but again you don't want to uh, you know show up anybody else or whatever the case was but uh, how do you kind of bottle that too where you you made an incredible save if you even impressed yourself which you're too hard on yourself if you ask me but uh, you know how do you just keep your cool and, and just if you could walk us through the play if you wouldn't mind all right so uh, it's yes it, it was a good save I will admit it, but I really think you're making too big of a deal of it. Basically, what happened is the team was coming in from, uh, I, I think, I guess, coming into the zone from their defensive zone, and they had numbers, and somebody let off a quick, accurate shot from... We play on a small court, so it's tough to really... Uh, compare that to what it would be on a regulation size court but basically let's say the top of the circle uh, ripped off a pretty quick shot and in my brain in that split second I realized that my weight wasn't distributed in a way that I could get across the crease and cut off the shot that way so I just kind of went into autopilot and decided to throw myself sideways as Mike mentioned in the interview is something that he has to resort to sometimes I just threw myself sideways onto the ground and kicked out my foot and I got it 
not with the toe of my blocker, but with the toe of my sneaker and barely managed to stop the puck. And it did feel good to James's point. Obviously, it felt good to make the save because especially as Mike and I discussed, some of those saves that you make, you, you're at a position and all you want to do is stop the puck by any means necessary. So yes, yeah, saves feel good, but I don't try I try not to react in the moment to that because the puck is still in play so I really when I make a save I'm focused on okay great it's not in the net yet let's keep it that way um I I try not to react emotionally in the moment because I still have a job to do and actually I'm glad you brought that up James because you're right you don't want to sell generally you don't want to celebrate too much uh because it's not cool to showboat and show up the people you're playing with because you do something good, then they feel bad about it, especially if you're playing with people you respect and like. But I was watching the Rangers game a few weeks ago. They were playing the Red Wings and Jimmy Howard was in goal and he was having a great night. Uh, The announcer said that, oh, this is probably the best game he's played all year. But I noticed uh, a few times, particularly one after he stopped a penalty shot, he like really pumped his fist like a yeah kind of a reaction and okay great you're hyped up about that you stop a penalty shot in a big spot you i think you earn a little bit of celebration but then a little later in the game the rangers were really peppering him with shots and he was just making save after save after save and coming up big and at one point he made a save uh, or several saves and he did it again but the the puck was still live the the play was still going on and he kind of pumped his fist like yeah i did it and i i sat there thinking as a goalie that was really stupid because the puck is still in play and pumping your fist, even just for half a second, you are taking yourself out of your best position to make the puck. So in those kind of situations, it's really important that you need to kind of bottle that passion down and remember that you have a job to do. Focus on what you're doing right now. Your team scores a goal or you make a big save and you, you, you're able to glove it and stop play for a second. Yes, if if you feel like you need to celebrate or you know feel like you need to make some kind of declaration of your dominance as silly as that sounds okay fine but if there's still play going on don't pat yourself on the back because you could slip on a banana peel and look really stupid if you do that gotcha gotcha excellent advice all around and just my last point on uh, the plus minus topic for this evening is does winning feel as good as losing feels bad for me when you win, everything is all rosy and fun and great. And if you need to get to where you're going and there's traffic or whatever, it, that's fine. Going home, no problem. You get home whenever you get home and, and things are going well. And uh-huh. uh, if you're injured or that the, the, the injury doesn't feel as, as bad. And if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, everything just kind of seems hunky dory, you know, on the other hand, for me, losing is extremely frustrating and uh, gets me upset and every little thing gets me annoyed. So I don't know if that, if that's just my lack of Mr. Spockness where I'm kind of too emotional, but uh, would you feel, and anybody listening out there too, if you'd like to chime in as well, Gary will let you know how you could do that. Does, does winning feel as good as losing feels bad? For me, um, I, I feel like, uh, and this is something I'll talk about with Mike, but 
I feel like as a goalie, you kind of have the world, the weight of the world on your shoulders. So I might have a slightly different perspective from a, a different team member, a, a skater, as it were, because I kind of feel that more keenly. But for me, honestly, I would say unless it's a really important game or a big game, no. For me, winning doesn't feel as good as losing feels bad because, you know, if I win, it's like, yes, we did it. If I lose, it's like, I totally screwed that up. I'm so sorry I let everybody down. And, you know, I don't know. I I enjoy winning. Don't get me wrong. But I really hate losing more than I, I like winning. And I look, I'm not trying to make it out to sound like I'm a sore loser because I don't think that I am. But I, I put it, I internalize it all. Like I, I take all the blame and I put it on myself, which maybe makes me a little bit conceited to think that it's all my fault. But that's that's the way I feel. And that's why losing feels so bad for me. Whereas winning, I genuinely see it as a team accomplishment because, you know, I, I'm not going to be scoring goals from my crease. So I rely on the rest of my team to win that game for me. Yeah, actually, I, I think that shows how humble you really are because, right, you've saved many a game for us, and win or lose, it's it's kind of like you're our own personal Henrik Lundqvist for any Ranger fan out there, Please, you know what I'm talking about. That is not fair to the king. I don't be- I don't deserve that. In the, in the deck hockey world, just take my word for it. If you don't believe me, come out and watch Gary play. But, yeah, I, I've even heard that described as, I can't think offhand who it was, but a father of, a, of an NHL goalie said that he feels the same way. It's kind of like a thankless job particularly for being a goalie, no matter what level you play, if it's deck hockey, if it's the NHL, is that when you quote-unquote do your job and, and shut out the other team, yes, it's a team effort. Whoever scored the goal, one more goal than, than we let up, great. You know, it was all, we all did it together. But like you said, that mentality, and I think that's what a good goalie should be like, is that it's your goal. No one's going to get in that. And you're the last line of defense, as we've said many a time. So you do have a little bit more weight on your shoulders than the average skater, forward, or defenseman. So you do kind of take it a little bit too personally when we do lose. But as a defenseman, that's on us, too, because one of your responsibilities in being a defenseman, probably actually the number one responsibility, is make sure that there's no shots. And we, we, we want to make your life as boring as possible. <laughs> so whenever you. there's... Whenever someone gets a shot on goal against us, that's a breakdown of defense. No matter how great the play was, whatever, that means that we let you down. And then all of a sudden, everything's on you. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're, we're, we're negative or um, pessimistic or anything like that. This isn't a glass half empty. But it just seems like when you win, it's cool. You try and be humble about it. Like we're saying, we're not going to rub it in anybody's face. We're not going to pump our fists and do cartwheels. and. You yeah, didn't win. but uh, when when you lose, it's just like ugh, it's it's, it's very frustrating. And and yeah, obviously people say I hate losing. I mean Pete Rose and all that other athletes that have, have quoted saying that. But if you're competing, obviously you hate losing. I mean the last thing you want to do is lose. All you want to do when you're compete is win. That's that's basic. Mm-hmm competition 101 so yeah so again if anybody out there would like to chime in we'd love to hear your point of view on that as well absolutely so finally i believe uh, we're reaching once again into the gear bag yes sir speaking of competing gary and another key member of the liq brad basically designed our jerseys all of our jerseys too um the, our main one our team name is the liquidators and then uh for like we mentioned before, the 
upcoming Rocky Sullivan's deck hockey tournament, Gary and uh, well, I, I, was it Brad mostly that uh, came up with the shirt design? Yeah, I can't take any credit for the LIQ jerseys. Uh, that was all Brad. Gotcha. So basically, we've gone through a few different venues as to different style jerseys, even if it's an actual hockey jersey or a t-shirt. So just want to share that with everybody out there if you need to order team jerseys. Starting off, like uh, what we were saying before, is uh, Gary designed our uh, main jersey, and he did that through a website called Sublimation Kings. Well, Brad and I designed the, the jersey, and we did some research into places where we could actually get it made up. Sublimation Kings does offer design services, but we did not partake in them. We we did the entire design ourselves. In fact, when I submitted the design to Sublimation Kings, they sent me back a somewhat cartoonier version of the design, and I had to write them back and say, thank you, we appreciate it, but please just make what we sent you. Yes, you, you two gentlemen worked very hard on that many hours and uh, did perfect it before you even submitted it to the Sublimation Kings. But, yep, Gary ironed that out, no problem. And the bottom line is the jersey is excellent. It's um, really great, high-grade material. If, if you wouldn't mind just kind of walking us through that, too, as to the Sublimation Kings options, whereas you could get different quality jerseys or you know more expensive, less expensive jerseys, things like that. Yeah, I, I don't remember all of their options off the top of my head, but they make they make several different sizes. They offer roller jerseys, which are more lightweight, and hockey jerseys, ice hockey jerseys, which are more heavyweight. They offer you, I think, three different materials that you can choose from, two different kinds of uh, ice jersey options, if, if I'm remembering correctly. It is printed. So all the the design, the logo, the numbers, everything is printed. There is an option for laces in the collar that you can get. They don't charge you by color. It's one price to design the jersey and as many colors as you want, provided that they can print them and they have a pretty wide range of what they can actually reproduce. They also make baseball jerseys. And I believe if you have a team that you want to make an entire gear set for, they can do that that as well so they offer a wide variety of options for a very reasonable price and there's no minimum order you can place an order for a custom order of one or a hundred and it'll be the same price and you can reorder down the line the same jersey at the same price point however many you want so there's a real benefit to using them that's why we chose them there is one minor thing they do put their name on the jersey somewhere i believe it's it's usually on the back above the nameplate or sometimes it's down at the bottom on the hem but it's not really that ostentatious it's not that noticeable and i think for what they offer it's definitely a trade-off worth doing if you are in the market for that kind of jersey. Yeah, and um, in my opinion, that's the top of the line as far as our, uh, like like Gary said, they did a lot of research on looking through various avenues as to who would be our uh, jersey maker. So is that fair to say that that Sublimation Kings is, is a high-end, if not like uh, top of the line 
option to go for uh, team jerseys? I don't know if I'd say it's top of the line because there are other more expensive options that can give you higher quality jerseys. One is a company that I had researched when looking for this. It's a European company called Owayo. Owayo. I'm not exactly sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. It's O-W-A-Y-O. And they offer stitching. They offer stitch jerseys and they make very high quality jerseys. But the trade-off there is, as I said, it's very expensive and depending on what you want on it the size of your logo uh, whether you want like shoulder logos uh, numbers name all that customization comes at a price so it's more of an a la carte approach and that does have a minimum order i don't remember what the minimum order is i believe the price is set set on um, kind of a sliding scale so if you order 10 it's x price if you order 20 it's a little cheaper if you order 50 it's cheaper still but yeah they i would say that's probably a a pretty top of the line customization option but again it's expensive because it it is a very high quality product okay and yeah also we try and keep everything that we talk about equipment wise and stuff uh on a deck hockey level so uh also in in defense of sublimation kings if you will like gary said it's great you can like again like gary mentioned you get the numbers multicolored numbers they could be you know white trim and, and and different colors and things and we've had our jerseys for well over a year and we've worn them and and really put them through the ringer and they've held up terrifically no holes no scratches the printing looks just as fresh as it did the day we ordered the jerseys so they hold up well uh like also mentioned before you can do customizations with uh, logos on the shoulders and and things so it's it's really really great uh something to check out sublimation kings if you need team jerseys from there oh sorry james one last interjection i apologize that is actually one benefit that sublimation kings has over awayo with awayo oh with that company you have to choose from a number of set patterns for you know stripes uh striping patterns on and color palettes for the jerseys with sublimation kings they can make your jersey in literally any pattern that you want if you want it like a full body picture of somebody's face they could do that or if you just want a a plain jane jersey with a logo in the center they can do that too or, or anything in between they're really really good about being as custom as possible yeah so check those guys out if you'd like another option is a website called teamsportswear.com another member of the liq craig went there and uh, for the upcoming rocky sullivan's tournament designed jerseys for a team called the crotch mavens that he and our friend patrick are founding members of so uh with teamsportswear.com it's on average a little bit more affordable than sublimation kings there are less options but uh you could design and original logo but they have set patterns that you can choose from with colors already there so for example what craig did was he picked a white body jersey with royal blue trim and then they screen printed black name and numbers on those jerseys with the original logo that he designed so it's a it's pretty quick too it only took i don't know maybe a couple of weeks for them to take care of that and and ship them out so if you need a quick option for hockey jerseys teamsportswear.com is uh, one to go yeah i believe sublimation kings asks uh, you to give them about six or seven weeks from the time that you order to delivery so if you're in a hurry they're probably not your go-to so yeah right Uh, definitely plan ahead and like gary was saying before 
four with Sublimation Kings with TeamSportswear.com. The price does go down slightly the more jerseys you order. So that's something else to keep in mind. And Actually, then, that was, that was oh, a way sure. Sublimation Kings, the price is the same no matter how many you order. Right. And then a third option, depending on how much money you want to spend or not spend, again, like we said, Brad, our very own Brad of the uh, LIQ. Brad Vonsky. Thank you. Went to Custom Inc. I'm sure you've seen the commercials out there, the, you know, thanks Custom Inc. or whatever. They are very affordable. They are a t-shirt option. I think they do have Raglan style jerseys, uh, shirts as well. But for our purposes, we just went with a t-shirt. And again, you can design your original logo, have that printed, and you can customize the shirts with names and numbers on the back. I think you could probably do numbers on the front too if you wanted to, but that's all screen printed as well. High quality, good shirts, beefy shirts that you can wear in deck hockey and dive and run them through the ringer and they'll bounce back and uh, you'll get uh, good use out of them. So that's another option you could go. That's probably the cheapest out of the three. And again, those basically just t-shirts, not jersey styles, hockey jersey styles anyway. Cool. So yeah, um, uh, you know, just little options out there for you to consider. And we've tested them all out, kind of did the homework for you. So hopefully that can save some headaches for those listening out there. Yeah, here's hoping. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Oh, okay. We've come to the end of another podcast. Uh, lucky us. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of the Hit the Deck podcast. You know the drill. Deck hockey, street hockey, blah, blah, blah. If you want to follow us, please follow us on Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at Hit the Deck. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Hit the Deck podcast. What am I forgetting? Oh, email us, please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all you want to contribute to the show. Even if it's to tell us you guys are stupid, you should be talking about this instead of that. Please email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. James, is there anything you would like to add? Yeah, when you do email, definitely contribute to what we said tonight. And if you want to add about plus and minus, how you feel about your emotions and the gear bag stuff as well and the final thing is that uh, don't forget to set your clocks ahead sunday morning if you listen to this podcast after march 13th 2016 you may be an hour behind everybody else so catch up if you don't have to worry about pretending to store up sunlight then i wish everybody else would catch up with you (laughs) and this has been a psa from hit the deck podcast uh lest i forget i would like to thank anthony sejazi for providing music for our use i would like to thank pops and the liq for other sounds being the voice of the podcast etc and finally our our last warm wish that we wish to you and advise you every single podcast it's deck hockey don't be that guy thanks everybody (laughs) 